Good evening, my friends, and welcome to the belated new episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated and bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And again, my apologies for getting this out to you so late. I was having, shall we say, technical difficulties. Hmm. So much for state-of-the-art equipment, but I digress. The title of our episode tonight is A Cabin in the Woods. (laughs) So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Escape and Dark Fantasy. Our first radio play is called A Study in Wax. And it was first broadcasted on Escape, February 1st, 1953. Following that is the radio play, Resolution 1841. And this was first broadcasted on Dark Fantasy, January 2nd, 1941. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to A Study in Wax followed by Resolution 1841. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are trapped in a snowbound cabin in northern Canada, the temperature slowly dropping, while across the table from you, his eyes staring at you, is your only companion, a madman, waiting for his chance to kill you. Listen now as Escape brings you Anthony Ellis' terrifying story, A Study in Wax. It was late October when the radio shack burned down. We never did decide whose fault it was. Maybe Cabell with his cigarettes, or maybe me. Anyway, I guess the whole thing began when we lost the phone transmitter and receiver. Cabell and I had been sent up to the Northwest Territory by the Canadian Geodetic Survey people. It was a long job, and the biggest part of it was the loneliness I remember what Cabell said as we watched the government supply boat steaming off. It's going to be a long winter. Yeah. Hope they don't run into any trouble on the way back. That ice is closing in fast. Yeah. Well, so long, fellas. See you next spring. 
It's getting cold. Yeah, it feels like snow. Probably got some tonight. Yeah. Well, we might as well get the rest of the stuff unpacked, huh? All right. It's kind of lonely with them gone, you know? Yeah. I guess it's the quiet. You better get used to it. Oh, I will. It's funny, though. After spending most of your life in cities, I... Well, I suppose you feel this kind of thing more. There's an awful lot of nothing out there. You need a drink. Come on. It wasn't that Cabell was moody or anything like that. I think he wasn't used to being out of touch with people and things he was accustomed to in the cities. I was the opposite. I kind of liked the loneliness. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, we were a pretty strange couple to hit it off the way we did. And when you got seven months to spend alone with another man, you got to be sure of each other. Now, we thought we were. Until after the radio was gone. That day it burned, we stood in the snow watching the embers glowing and wisps of smoke rising into the cold sky. Well, it's going. Well, we still got the code center, just in case. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm going to miss the programs and the music. Now, I tell you, we could send a message to the base, if you like. Ask him to fly out another Oh, no, 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 no. You, you know old McLeod. He'd, he'd boil. Waste of money, <laughs> probably take it out of our pay. No, we, we'll do without it. That's all right with me. You're a hearty soul. I don't think you'd mind if you had to stay here alone for seven months, you know? <laughs> be dull. I wouldn't have anybody to beat at chess. <laughs> well, I think we'd better use the theodolites tomorrow. Get to work on that western section over the range. Uh-huh. Triangulation, huh? Oh, uh, Jack. Yeah, what? If it was my cigarette that burned down the shack, I'm sorry. Forget it. I may have done it myself. Forget it. <laughs> By the end of November, we'd done pretty well as far as work was concerned. But Cabell was getting jittery. We had a week stretch where we couldn't move out of the camp. It was around 30 below outside and blowing 60 miles an hour. Cabell had read most of the things we'd brought along and was sitting at the table trying to beat a solitaire game. I was oiling my gun. Odds are against you every time. All I know it. Oh, I wish this weather would ease off. They will. Hey, I got an idea. What? What do you say we we open our Christmas presents tonight? Our Christmas? Yeah. It's November. I, I know, I know, but I'll bet there'll be some books. I, I told my folks to pack some books. Yeah, well, what'll you do when you're finished? I don't know, but I've got to do something. I just wish we had the radio. Look, we can send a message. If McLeod wants to cut our heads off for burning up his property, he'll have to come here to do it. If not, maybe he'll be feeling good and send it to us. Well, it's worth a try. Do you, do you mind? It's not you, Jack. We, we talk and play chess and it's swell, but... I miss the outside. I feel like... I know. Give me a pencil. Sure, I'll get it. Here you are. Thanks. Yeah, how does this sound? Radio Shack burned to ground. Can you send new receiver? Mm-hmm. Have only small set on fixed channel. Uh, Jack, couldn't you say emergency? <laughs> no, that'd go over big with McLeod. We miss Canadian and U.S. mystery shows. Must continue to hear them in order to keep up our work. <laughs> uh-uh. Leave it as it is. <laughs> uh, switch on the generator, will you? Sure. It's kind of stuffy in here, isn't it? 
I was thinking it was cold. <laughs> Old woman. Well, here we go. McLeod's going to love this. from McLeod came back the following day. It was long, involved, and said what could have been said in one word. No. Our chief was a very careful man and believed in others following his example. Therefore, if our radio was gone, it was our fault, and the next time we should be more careful. And that was that. The weather let up a bit, and we got some work done. It was still terribly cold, but it didn't bother us now that the wind was gone. I noticed that Cabell was much quieter after our request for the radio had been turned down. I began to get a feeling as though he blamed me for it. So, a week before Christmas, we uh, we had just finished supper, and I said, uh, uh, Larry, uh, about those Christmas presents... Uh, what about them? Uh, what do you say we open them, huh? Well, I thought you didn't want to until Christmas. Well, I changed my mind. No? What's the matter? You're trying to be nice to me? I can take this as well as you can, you know? I don't need you feeling sorry for oh, me. Oh, I'm not sorry. I don't give a good stink one way or the other. I'm just saying if you want to open the packages now, it's all right with me. They're yours. It's not my business. Now, forget it. Do what you want. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Will... Will you open yours? Sure. Okay. <laughs> he got a hammer and started to pry open the case. Our families and friends had done their shopping in August, and we'd put their gifts together in the case. And at the sight of those colorful wrappings, Cabell began to smile. Oh, mother of mine. He was back in touch again. They were little things, but a label, a scratch of handwriting, a feel of something different was blotting out his loneliness. Hey, we did great. The great far coldness outside. Come on over. Come on. See what you got. Okay. It doesn't feel like books. They wouldn't pack them like this, would they? No, they might. This is for my sister. You met her, Jack. Nancy, the one in Winnipeg? Oh, Nancy. Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, look. What? Look at that. Look what we got. It's a phonograph. A phonograph. Yeah, there must <laughs> be some records in here. Jack, wind it up, will you? Oh, yeah. This is great. There's a big sack up in here. There must be... Oh, of all the lousy, crummy luck. What? What's the matter? They're broken. Oh, that's a shame. Broken. All of them? Well, there's... Wait a minute. There's two of them. It's okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> Great. Listen to this, will you? What? Bugle calls of His Majesty's Army. What? I mean it. Look. It belonged to my father. I, I remember him playing when I was a kid. <laughs> well, what's the other one? Let's see. Oh, it's the age of gold, Shostakovich. It's one of my favorites. No, Benny Goodman or anything like that. Huh? No. That's right. I forgot you. You don't much like this long hair music, do you? Oh, not much, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> Come on, let's take a listen to that bugle call thing. That ought to be something. Here, I think I got it wound up enough. Where till I tell Nancy about that fancy packing job I heard? The following bugle sounds are the authorized calls to be used in His Majesty's service. The Todd. <laughs> the Todd. Oh, well, it brings back 
Holmes. The alarm. You know, we could have used this one when the shack burned down. <laughs> Everybody comes. And no, no, it's the next one. Yeah, the... We got a lot of laughs out of that old record. Played it a couple of times and had a couple of drinks. And I tell you, that phonograph, even with only two records, it made a lot of difference to us. The strain seemed to be gone. And then Cabell put on his Shostakovich and got lost in it. To me, it uh, wasn't much. It was all cluttered up with a lot of noise that hurt your ears. Well, he must have played it a half a dozen times while we unwrapped the rest of the things. There uh, were a lot of books and magazines, and that was real good. I figured we could stretch him out for at least three months, which would take us into March. But by the next day, uh, the weather turned bad. A blizzard came down. We stayed inside until the day after Christmas. And Cabell, he was like a kid. He smoked cigars, drank brandy, listened to his record, and read... In ten days, he'd read every single thing. And then he had nothing to do but listen to his record. Oh, you're not going to play it again. Sure, do you mind? Well, I wouldn't mind not listening to it for a while. Why don't you try the bugle calls? They're quieter, anyway. Learn to appreciate good music, Jack. You're missing something. Well, maybe I will. But not from that. It's beautiful. Well, not to me, it isn't. Why don't you let it go for a while, huh? All right. All right. Feel that way about it. How about a game? Uh, No, not right now, thanks. I I want to finish reading this article. What are you reading? Oh, yeah. I read that. That's not much. You know, that guy never could write. Oh? I think it's pretty good. Depends on what you're used to reading, I guess. What kind of a crack is that? Nothing. Nothing. It just depends on what you're used to reading, that's all. Does that make me a lowbrow? Oh, you said it. I didn't. You better check the oil outside. I did it yesterday. It's your turn. Uh Uh-uh. I did it this morning. In this weather, we do it twice a day. You remember? Oh, yes, sir. You trying to be funny? No. No, I just didn't like the way you said it. We're both in charge here, you know. Not not you or me. Nobody gives orders here. We share the responsibility. Okay, okay. Then do your share. All right, all right. I'm going out to check the oil, and not because you say to do it, you know, but because I want to. Well, good for you. <laughs> But I think of it now, we sounded like a couple of kids. And I can't even remember what it was that set us off. But I'll never forget what happened because of that day. You don't easily forget a thing like death. We will return to escape in just a moment. But first...
Cabell and I didn't talk to each other for the next few days. Uh, uh, not the way we used to, I mean. Just conversation that was necessary to do our work. And that was it. He didn't play his record, either. New Year's Eve day, we got a couple of messages through and code from our families. And I guess we both felt pretty bad. Cabell was trimming the oil stove when I decided to try and make things up. Uh, say, Larry. Yeah? Look about that business the other night. I, uh... I'm sorry. Oh, it's my fault. Really, it's kind of silly, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's probably just as well that we had the bust up then. There's still three months to go before that ship comes back. Yeah, I know. And uh, uh, thanks for not playing that record. It's okay. Oh, I wish that we didn't stop. It gets on my nerves. You know something? I got something that's good for that. What? <laughs> what do you got there? Something to toast the new year. <laughs> Champagne. Yeah. And two bottles. <laughs> oh, what an idea. Oh, Jack, this is wonderful. We'll stick them outside for a couple of minutes and cool them off. Well, here, here, let me have them. I'll do Okay. Oh, bring a cut you in two. <sighs> oh, that's cold. You want to know something... The best thing for you and me to do tonight is to get roaring, stinking drunk. <laughs> Champagne with brandy chasing. Right. <laughs> Happy New Year, Larry. Same to you, Jack. And we got drunk. We got red-eyed drunk. And we talked about women and ourselves and our dreams. And it was sloppy and it was great. The kind of a haze you get when it doesn't matter and you're feeling good about everything. And it was fine. Until Cabell decided it was time to hear some music. Uh, Jack! Jack, I want you to really listen to this. Now, I mean, really listen. This Shostakovich, he makes them all look sick with this thing. Now, I want you to really listen. I know. I don't want to hear that thing. Don't. No, I don't. No, I don't want to hear it. Just listen. But I don't like it, Larry. Well, now, listen. I'm going to explain it. Listen listen to what he does with the rhythm. That's great music, friend. That's really great. That's not music. It's a lot of noise. It's a noise. Shut up, will you? You're not listening. Don't tell me to shut up. You know, you just don't understand good music. That's the matter with you. I understand that I don't want to listen to it. Well, I want to hear it. Jack, don't take that off. Take your hands off of me or you're going to get hurt. Now, listen, Jack. You stay away from that machine. Get on him, my way. Get off that pushy, brother. I'm going to kick your brains out for that. I'm sick of you and your filthy music and everything. Don't touch that record. Don't touch that record. Now take a good listen. Because you're not going to hear it anymore, this thing. Not as long as I'm here.
Put it down, Jack. I mean, I mean to put it down. Put it down or I'll shoot. I'll do it if you don't put that record down. And I got sober. I might never have had a drink. I was so sober. Cabell had reached up for one of the holsters that hung near the door. And he wobbled to his feet. A gun held tightly in his hand. There was blood running out of his mouth and down his chin. And I just stood there. And I put the record down on the turntable. You were going to break it, weren't you? Weren't you? Yeah. I knew you were. I know because it gives me pleasure to listen to it, and you don't like that. Well, listen, I, I want to listen to it, and you, you don't, so... So you get outside. Oh, Larry, you... Go on! I'll kill you if you don't. Now get outside. Larry, you're crazy. It's 40 below out there. I'll freeze That'll do you real good. Now you go on, Jack. You get outside. All right, but let me get my things. No! Larry, listen to me. You're drunk. You don't know what you're doing. Open that door. Open it! I thought I heard the music again. He was crazy. Crazy drunk. I went around to the back trying to get away from the wind, but it wasn't any good. There wasn't anywhere to get away from it. I've seen what happened to men caught in the open this way, and I knew how quickly it could happen. So I ran and I jumped. Anything to keep moving. And all the time, I couldn't believe it was happening. I don't know how much time went by. Maybe it was a minute. Maybe it was ten. Jack! Jack, where are you? Jack! I heard him calling. Through the flurries of powdered snow blown off the roof, I saw Cabell standing in the doorway. And I saw the gun still in his hand, hanging by his side. Come on in, Jack! And I forgot the cold. Jack! I only knew that Cabell had gone mad and he was going to kill me. Somehow I had to get him away from the cabin, get him outside where I'd have a chance. I, I waited for a minute, and then... Larry! Larry, over here, Larry! Oh, over here! I knew that he'd heard me. And I saw him move out from the doorway. Over here, over this way! And I moved back behind a hummock. I thought I might be able to make a wide circle and double back to the cabin before I knew what was happening. Jack! I, I, I can't hear you, Larry! Jack, where are you? Larry! Larry! And the wind burned my eyes so that I couldn't see, and I, and I tripped, and I fell. My hands, bare, didn't feel the coldness of snow any longer. Jack! Jack, over here! Jack, he, he must have seen me. He was close enough close enough to shoot, and I tried to run, stumbling, falling, and then it was easier, and I was going downhill, but he was behind me. Jack! Jack, come by, Jack! 
And then there was something different in the feel of the ground under me. It wasn't ground anymore. Not snow. It, it was ice. I, I'd reached the shore, and I was going out on the frozen sea. Jack, don't go out there! And, and I, I began to imagine that I, I could feel the movement of the sea under me. And... <laughs> Suddenly, it didn't matter anymore. I didn't care. I couldn't run. I, I just wanted to lie down. I just wanted to lie down. Jack, take it easy. It's all right. It's going to be all right. You don't have to be afraid. Jack, you're going to have the gun if you want. When it I want happened, the cow was no more than eight feet away from me. But I, I, I just lay there watching, waiting for him to shoot. And the dark ribbon that split the ice grew wider and wider. The semicircle of ice had cracked away. It wasn't very big, and it was drifting out away. Away. And the ribbon was no longer a ribbon. And in that moment, I knew that he hadn't wanted to kill me. That I'd been wrong. Larry! Larry, jump in! Swim! Now, come on, swim! You can make it! I can't! I come can't, on, Larry, I swim! I can't swim! I can't swim, Jack! Well, try to! I you can't. gotta try! Please, hurry, Larry! They moved away faster oh, after God. that. <laughs> then I couldn't see him anymore. He was lost in the blackness. But I could hear him. Oh, Lord, I could hear him. back to the cabin. And I remember getting the transmitter switched on. Sending the message through. <laughs> then I got a flashlight and my furs on. I don't know how long I was down there on the ice. Shouting. Looking. But I knew he was gone. I'd never see him again. And in the gray morning... The planes came. And for two days they searched and, until the weather forced them back. And that was all. They flew me back to the hospital. Maybe I'll lose my hands, maybe not. I'm not sure yet. Well, it doesn't matter anyway.
My name is Laura Cabot. It is January 2nd, 1942. The second day of a new year. As I speak these words, even I myself can't believe that what has happened is true. It began only a few short hours ago. Less than 48, to be exact. And yet, it has changed everything for me. Even life itself. I must tell someone. And so, I'm telling you. It all began night before last, New Year's Eve. A number of us had braved the deep snow and cold north wind to go out to the old Cabot place, north of Quincy, to see the new year in. There were four of us. Ed and Helen Richards, who had just been married a year, and a business friend of Ed's named Duke Toback. We had to leave Ed's car down at the road and walk up the narrow, unused lane leading to the big... leaving with a vengeance. It's cold, isn't it? The snow's drifting deeper. Oh, Helen, to the right, dear. The house is over there. All right, Laura. I I didn't know we'd have to walk. (laughs) It'll be good for us. I wonder what your friend must think of us. Now, like this on New Year's Eve. Uh, Duke? (laughs) Oh, Duke's a good sport. Besides, dear... We made a practice of spending New Year's Eve in the old Cabot place for the last three years. Yes, Ed, we have. Besides, Duke wouldn't want to spoil the fun. Anyway, I think that he makes a fine partner for Laura, don't you? Yes. He's very handsome. And wealthy. Helen, you think she likes him? Well, the way she's hanging on to him and laughing, I wouldn't exactly say she hates him. You certainly must think that we're idiots. I wish you'd call me Duke. I've been calling you Laura all evening. Well, I I guess it's because I'm so fascinated by your last name that I used it. Uh, Tell me, how do you spell it? Just like it sounds. T-O-B-A-C. Duke. Yes, Laura? Spell your last name backwards. Hmm? Toback. Spelled backwards is Cabot. My name. I say, you're right. Well, that's the most unusual thing I've ever heard of. Well, I'm an unusual person. Are you? Don't you think so, Laura? I really haven't had time to decide yet. But I'm awfully glad you came along with Helen and Ed tonight. We do this every year, you know. Yes, so Richard's told me. Oh, this old house has been in my family for more than a century. It was just three years ago that I discovered it belonged to me. That's so? Mm-hmm. Oh, there were back taxes galore on the place. But I paid them up. And every New Year since then, the Richards and I have spent New Year's Eve A here. charming custom. You know, I rather think I'm going to enjoy being let in on it. I hope so, Duke. Really, I do. I want this to be the best New Year's Eve we've ever enjoyed. Helen? Helen, you and Ed, wait up. Or you'll have to stand at the door till we catch up with you. All right. Duke, 
What's wrong? Nora, wait. What is it? Is, is that the house? Why, why, yes. Why? I, I don't know. It seems so familiar looking. I've seen it before. Someplace. <laughs> well, if you've seen it, it's been right here. Come on, Laura. Unlock the door. Oh, all right. Here's the key. Here, I'll open it. There. In you go, Laura. Oh, for heaven's sake, Ed. Come in and close that door. Yeah. Hurry, dear. Snow's blowing into the place. Here, old man, let me give you a hand with that door. Uh, uh, thanks. Ooh, there. Ooh, quite a wintry blast. Hmm. Here, stomp off the rug on this rag, uh, the snow on this rag rug. That's what it's for. Good enough. Oh, boy. Oh, it's nice and warm in here. Yes, I'm surprised. You been out here earlier today? No. Oh, Mr. Johnson owns the farm across the way. He always comes over on the last day of December and builds a fire for mm. us. You see, he expects us. The place seems so strange tonight. Strange? What, what do you mean, Laura? I don't know. Does it really feel warm to you folks? Well, it certainly does. Of course it does, dear. <laughs> it's fine. Boy, it sure makes it handy to come here and have the place all heated for us. <laughs> yes, but it doesn't seem the same in here as it always has before. Well, personally, I think it's very homey. Well, so do I. It's a pity no one lives here. It's such a nice place. I've tried to convince Laura she should stay here instead of renting in town. I've had this feeling before. It's so strange. Almost weird. Weird? Why, this place is far from being weird. Oh, of course. Oh, I'm just being silly. Come on, Helen, let's take our coats into the other room and see what condition the kitchen's in. <laughs> All right. Ed, you'd better throw a log on the fire. How about some refreshments all around, huh? Oh, you just leave that to us, gentlemen. There are plenty of refreshments in the kitchen. Yes, indeed. Laura and I had them sent out yesterday. Smoke, too? No, oh, thanks. Well, how do you like her? Laura? Mm-hmm. Charming. <laughs> oh, now, Duke, is, is that all you've got to say for her? Well, I, I haven't known her but a few hours. And yet... Yes, too? Yet, it seems that I have known her before. Somewhere. Sometime. What, what makes you think that? I... I can't say. Something about her. The way she acts. The way she talks, possibly. I I don't know. Well, have you asked Laura if she'd met you before? Oh, I, I thought that rather a silly thing to say. Besides, that that's what men always say to women when they're trying to make conversation. And, well, Laura's very easy to talk to. She talks so... so comfortably with me. And, well, it's as though she'd known me someplace before, too. Hmm. Well, I know how you feel, Duke. I felt the same way about folks I'd just been introduced to. Mm. Sensations like that are hard to explain. Yeah, they're generally not explained. Look here, Duke. This is your first trip to Quincy, isn't it? Mm. Not only my first trip to Quincy, it's my first trip to Massachusetts. Well, now, Laura's lived here all her life. 
She's been away a summer or two on vacation, though. Possibly you met her then. Yes, that could be the answer. But it does seem we've been acquainted before. And the strangest part of it all is... It seems that we were once very close to each other. Very close. Oh, Helen, will you juice these oranges for me, please? Mm -hmm. How many? Oh, half a dozen to begin with, I guess. Oh, come on over here on the small table. Oh, all right. Laura? Yes? What do you think of Duke? Oh, I don't know. Give me a little more time. He seems to be attracted to you. Does he? Does he indeed? I caught him three times staring at you like... Well, with a sort of fascination. Like he couldn't get used to you. <laughs> well, perhaps you're right. Maybe he can't get used to me. No, no, I didn't mean that way. I I mean, well, he stared at you like he was trying to remember something. Yes, I noticed that. And I caught you staring the same way at him. Yes. What is it, Laura? I don't know. You like him all right, don't you? That's just it. I feel that... Suddenly, I like him too much. <laughs> oh, now, you needn't fall in love with him right off the handle. Oh, no, it isn't that. It's a different kind of a feeling. An affection. But not the kind a woman has for a man. It's different from that. I don't understand what you mean, Laura. I wonder if I understand what I mean myself. It's something that seems to draw me very close to him. Oh, love at first sight. I've always believed in it. No, not that. Something else. Something different. Something greater. He hasn't made love to you already, has he? Helen, will you please stop talking about love? <laughs> love has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Laura, you need a lift. Come on, let me fix you one. No, not now. You know, Helen... I'm positive I've never met Duke Tobac before. And and yet it seems that I did know him once a long, long time ago. Well, it couldn't be very long ago. You're only 23. No. I mean, farther back than that, even. Hey, wait a minute. His name. It's so strange. Tobac. It's so very strange. Eleven thirty. No, just thirty more minutes, then it's goodbye, nineteen forty-one. Mm, I can't wait. I've had enough of the past three hundred and sixty-five days. I want a brand new year to start out everything with a clean slate. Now you're talking, Laura. Here's to 1942. Yes, here's to the new year. Well, hey, I'm in on that. May all our troubles disappear like bubbles of champagne. Uh, especially as quickly as the bubbles in any champagne that might be left around our place. <laughs> <laughs> 
would you pardon me now? I want to go upstairs for a moment. I'll go with you. Oh, no, dear. It's cold up there. And besides, I won't be but a moment. Helen, you've got work to do in the kitchen. Well, I'll be right back. Yes, I'll only be a moment. Make yourself at home. She seems strange tonight, doesn't she, Ed? Yeah. You know, she was right enough when we left town. But you know, the minute she stepped into this house tonight, something came over her. I think she's quite attractive. Do you... Had you ever met her before tonight? Well, no, at least I... I don't think I have. Well, that's what she said about you. She did? Yes. She acted so strangely, too. She said she... Well, that you attracted her in a strange sort of way. Now, that's a pretty compliment. Oh, Ed. <laughs> what I mean, Duke, is... Laura told me she seems to have known you before somewhere. You know, that's odd. Duke just said the same thing about Laura, not more than 30 minutes ago. Duke, you mean that... Yes. It, it's so strange. I, I'm trying hard to remember. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, I've had the same thing happen to me. Just some trick in nature. You meet a person, for a moment you'd swear you'd met him before. But isn't it strange that Laura should have the same feeling about Duke? Yes, I was about to forget the whole affair, but now... Well, I wonder. Well, now, my advice is that you two get together a little more. Talk over the places you've visited, <laughs> places you've been. Now, I'll wager one of my Christmas ties you met at the seashore. <laughs> or at Santa Anita, or maybe on some dude ranch. <laughs> Possibly, But... It doesn't seem that way. You know, I haven't said this before, but even this old house seems familiar to me. It does? Yes. When I first saw it outside, I stopped dead in my tracks. Something seemed to stop me, and... Well, I'd have sworn I'd walked up that same lane out there dozens and dozens of times. Well, that's incredible. This... this room, with its high ceiling and huge fireplace. These pine walls. The heavy oak floors, the decorations, they all seem so vaguely familiar. But why should they? You've never been here before. No, I haven't. <laughs> Don't you two think it's getting chilly in here? Yes, a little. Well, there are no more logs. I guess I'd better go fetch a couple. No, Ed, I'll do it. Now, there's no reason for both of you to go out in the cold. Ed, you go. Isn't that just like a wife? No, Ed, you stay here. I know exactly <laughs> where the logs are. I saw them when I came in. I'll be right back with a couple. Uh, better put a coat on, old man. No, it won't be out long enough. The wood's just around the corner of the house. Hmm? Oh, Laura... I didn't see you come back. Oh, he's gone to get some logs for the fire. Insisted on going alone. Laura. What a beautiful dress. Hey, those aren't the clothes you wore out here. Wherever did you find such a quaint outfit, darling? It's a dress my mother used to treasure. It's been in my family for almost a century. Oh, it's beautiful. I thought it would be fun to put it on tonight. I found it upstairs in an old trunk. <laughs> Just wait until Duke sees you in that dress. Maybe that'll help him remember where he knew you before. He... He thinks he's known me before. 
Uh, and, and Helen says you feel that you've met him before, too. Well, yes. I do feel that way, but... Oh, I... I don't know what to think. I'm so upset tonight. Laura, what is wrong tonight? Ed and I have both noticed it. You know, what's wrong, Laura? Oh, I didn't want to mention it, but... There, something is wrong. Well, can we help you? No, I... I couldn't ask you to. Well, you two know how very fond I've grown of this old house and the property. Yeah. He certainly spent a lot of money putting it into shape. I still don't see why you don't live here. Oh, it's the memories, and more than anything. And the fact that my grandmother and her grandmother and hers lived here for so many years. Oh, Delara, you don't mean you're going to lose the place. I'm afraid so. Oh. You see, it's heavily mortgaged. I'm in debt more than $3,000. I can't meet that debt. Hmm. Well, that's a little more money than we've got right now. Yes, quite a bit more. <laughs> oh! What's that? Duke! Oh! Oh, Ed, see what's wrong. For heaven's sake, don't just stand there. Hurry! What happened? Speak to me, Duke. Are you all right? Well, here now. Now, take it easy. Now, I'll carry you into the house. Come on. Arm around my neck. That's it. Is he all right, do you think? Yeah. There's quite a pile of wood out there. Picked up a piece near the bottom, and the lot slid down on him. Just knocked him out, that's all. Oh, he looks so pale. Here, here, loosen his collar. There. You better take your tie. That's it. Duke? Duke? Are you all right? Feeling better now, old man? I... What? Is something wrong? You had an accident, Duke. Do you feel all right now? All right. Yes, Duke? Lauren. Why'd you call me that, Lauren? Who... Who are these people? Duke, why, you, you'll be all right. Who are these people? What... Why am I lying here? Where's your mother, Lauren? You'll be all right now. Just lie still. Why do you speak like that? Why do you look at me like that, daughter? Daughter? But what's the trouble here? Suddenly you're so strange. It's you who are strange. What? You call your father strange? You call me Jeremiah Cabot strange? Jeremiah Cabot? Of course, Jeremiah Cabot. Don't tell me I have to remind you who I am. But Jeremiah Cabot was my mother's great-great-grandfather. Duke, for heaven's sake, what's the matter with you? This... This is so strange. I... I'm afraid I don't know your friends, Lauren. You, young lady. Or you, sir. Oh, now, Duke, cut the kidding. Just a moment, Ed. I... I think I'm beginning to understand. Oh. 
For a moment, child, I thought you were my daughter. Now I... Now I know the truth. You... Yes, that must be it. What, Laura? What on earth? A moment, Helen. Jeremiah Cabot. He built this house. His daughter was named Laurelin. The name has been in the family for a century. Laurelin. She looked so much like you. I still don't get this. Ed, wait. I, I think I can explain. At least partially. There's an old legend in our family... That one New Year's Eve, Jeremiah Cabot was asked by his family to join them in making New Year's resolutions. In the spirit of Jess, Jeremiah resolved one thing. To return to this earth 100 years from the night he made the resolution. That's it. Yes, of course. The resolution. The, the brick in the fireplace. The brick. What does he mean? I remember now. Here, I'll show you. This brick. This one behind the others. See? It's loose. You can remove it. But what are you trying to tell us? Here. You see? A hiding place behind the brick. This is where the papers are hidden. And the money. Will somebody please tell me what's going on around here? Ed. That's real money. Ten thousand dollars. You see, I... It has been hidden here for years. And here, pictures. And the original deed to the Cabot property. This is most amazing. And this... This is what I was looking for. Here, Lauren. Read this. Go ahead, child. Read it. What did it say, Laura? Do you want me to read it? No. Just a moment. It's quite faded. The ink is almost gone. It says, I, Jeremiah Cabot, being in my right and sane mind do solemnly resolve this night to return to earth again exactly one hundred years from now if it be within the realm of power Jeremiah Cabot, December 31st, 1841. What, what happened? Is something wrong? What am I doing here? Why are you all looking at me like that? Oh, I remember now the logs. Ooh, cold in here. Duke, where are you going? 
No, no, Ed, you stay here. I know exactly where the logs are. Saw them when we came in. I'll be right back. Resolution 1841. Tonight's tale of dark fantasy, written by Scott Bishop. Charles Carchon played Duke Toback. Manny Joe Curtis was Laura Cabot. Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Helen Richards. And Ben Morris played Ed Richards. Next Friday night at this same time, the National Broadcasting Company will bring you the eighth in this series of stories of the supernatural and the unusual, created for you by Scott Bishop. Listen for the weird and haunting The Curse of the Neanderthal, the story of a grave 40,000 years old, and the awesome secret that it contained. Dark Fantasy originates each Friday night in the studios of WKY, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. I also have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Check it out. Subscribe. Share and like the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, my apologies for the delay in the episode, but unfortunately things happen. I may also post a bonus episode just to say I'm sorry. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.